This is Real Ghost Stories Online. I am Tony Bruschi. Thank you so much for joining us wherever it may be. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Maybe just right on our website, wherever you are finding us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're a repeat listener, we welcome you back. And thank you so much for your support. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome. You are entering a world of a lot of creepy stuff. That's what we do here on the show. It's uh, all about real ghost stories. We uh, we don't dive into the, well, I made up this story and it really scared little Johnny. No, this is stories told by real people of their real experiences. And uh, it's a show designed to kind of make you think, kind of make you go, okay, I think there's, there's probably more to this whole ghost thing than... Uh, than maybe I originally thought. It certainly has opened up my eyes. Going into this, I, of course, was someone who believed in in something. But uh, there's a lot of somethings out there. That's uh, that's the thing. Uh, if you have a ghost story, we'd love for you to share it with us. We have a couple ways to do it for you right now. You can uh, write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Or you can even call it in now, toll free at 855-853-4802. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you can call in those stories. You leave it for us on a recorded message, and we may play it back on a future episode. So feel free to do that, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, to leave us your real ghost story uh, on uh, on the phone, on audio form. And we, uh, like I said, we may play it back on a future episode. We got some really good stories for you today, some letters that came in. Also, got uh, some callers, some uh, real ghost stories uh, to share that way as well. And if you have an idea, if you have a a story idea or have an investigator of some sort that has some stories to share, maybe you are one, we would love to have you on the show. Reach out to us as well on our website. Go to that Tell Us Your Ghost Story area. And we may have you on a future episode. We're always looking for new and interesting folks to talk to about uh, the topic that we love so much. And that topic, of course, being real ghost stories. Subscribe as well. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. We love it when you show us some love back. Let's go to our first real ghost story caller for the show today. Hi, you're on Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's hear your story. I used to work in the intensive care unit, and I was told this story firsthand by someone who was working that day. Okay, a reputable source? Yes, it is. Okay. She was working on a hot summer day when this lady was brought in unconscious and not doing very well. Okay. Older lady. And as she was taking care of her throughout the day, they couldn't get a hold of the family. Okay. And all of a sudden, she was doing badly, and the nurse was in the room with her, and a dark shadow cast over the room. The room got very cold, and the lady who was unconscious opened her eyes and had like this horrified look in her face and screamed, this blood-curdling uh, scream. I ran from upstairs, sorry. <laughs> and then um, she died. Really? And the family came like a little bit later, uh-huh. and um, they told the nurse that she was not a nice woman, and was alcoholic for children. <laughs> oh, so that you got what was coming to her. Yeah. Wow. 
It's not exactly the story you normally hear about Aunt Edna dying. <laughs> normally it's like, well, at the end she found God, she apologized to everyone, and then an angel came and took her away. Uh-uh, not this time. Room turned dark, she freaked the hell out, then she kicked it and went to the eternal flames of hell. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Is that, I wonder if that was put in the, uh, the obituary. She, because, <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. That's, you know, that's creepy as hell that that happened. But it's also one of those where she died peacefully at Cedar sinai Medical Center. It's like, she died with a blood-curdling scream as the angel of death bore down in her room and sucked her soul into the nether realm. You think that was part of the obituary? You really... No. <laughs> you kind of wonder. Obituaries in general, you kind of wonder about sometimes. I always want more information. <laughs> in my obituary, I want details. I don't want just who I'm survived by. He's survived by his two children, his wife, and a dog. You know, I want... I want... Well, he was walking down the street one day. A large icicle fell, impaled him. First of all, one fell into his shoulder, which freaked him out because it was just icicle sitting there and blood gushing everywhere. And then suddenly a second icicle came and jammed into his skull and he was dead. Uh, his family was really pissed off that the uh, retailer did not get rid of the icicles. There's now a multi-million dollar lawsuit uh, in progress. The funds will be used to start a children's charity uh, once. Uh, you know, I want details. <laughs> I want details. I want what happened and I want what's going to happen afterwards. <laughs> Maybe that's just me, though. Real ghost stories online. That's what you're listening to. And then the random uh, rants that I tend to share between the ghost stories. Uh, if you have a real ghost story, please share it with us. You can go to our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, uh, and uh, click on that Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. Or you can call us now. We have a phone number. I sprung for an 800 line because I really like our show, and I really like the fact that you guys could do it as well. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. Toll free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Call it up. Share your ghost story with us and we may play it back on a future episode if it's really good and it's coherent because sometimes we get some stories that are kind of like well i got a ghost story for you i was uh okay so try and make the story a little bit coherent it does help for airing it and playing it back we do appreciate you sharing those stories with us also please subscribe itunes stitcher youtube wherever you may be listening uh, sharing that love is what it's all about and uh, letting other folks know about the show. That's what fuels us. That's what keeps us going. All right. Now for that, let's go to a letter that was submitted to us. This comes to us from Robin. Robin writes, it's Saturday, August 28th, 2010. My husband and son decided to go to Maryland and spend the night working on his parents' home with his brother. I worked from nine to five that day and my husband's aunt was babysitting my daughter. I went to her house after work and picked up my daughter. She fell asleep on the couch around 8.30 p.m. I turned the TV off in the living room but left the kitchen lights on for her. I had my bedroom light on and was sitting on my bed playing with my laptop with the TV off. From where I was sitting, I could see directly into the living room. Everything was quiet and calm until around 10.30 p.m. Something in the living room caught my attention. It was an apparition of a man 
Standing in front of the wall facing towards me was a figure, a light grayish transparent figure. I could not see a face. All I saw was from the neck down. From where he was standing, he looked to be about five feet, five foot eight or a little taller. He had no shirt on because the kitchen light was reflecting off his collarbone. He had a pair of blue jeans and boots. For some reason, the belt in his jeans stood out. I stared at this image for what felt like forever, trying to figure out what I was seeing. I said to myself, that's an arm. Then I yelled out loud, that's an arm. And right then and there, the apparition disappeared. I was stunned. I was scared. My first reaction was to run out into the living room and check on my daughter. She was fine. I kept replaying it in my head. What I had just seen. I honestly felt like I was losing my mind. Around 12 a.m., I was dead tired. I knew I had to go to sleep, but I was so afraid. I dug up some courage to go lay down in my daughter's room. I kept saying to myself, get a grip. Your imagination is getting the best of you. I laid under my daughter's bed and turned towards the wall with my back towards the door. Within a minute of turning towards the wall, I felt like something had touched the back of my neck. It felt like an index finger poked the back of my neck. I ran out into the room and back into the living room with my daughter. I turned on all the lights in the house and stayed up until I finally fell asleep. I awoke the next morning and I was fine and my daughter was too. I didn't tell my husband when he came home that day. I didn't want anyone in my family to know what I was experiencing. I honestly felt like I was going insane. That Monday I made another trip to see a spiritual healer I had seen before. I told her what happened. She said that I needed to get brave and have a talk with his spirit. I needed to let him know that he wasn't wanted. I couldn't do that. What if I made him mad and he retaliated on my family and myself? I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. The anxiety I felt outside of my home was not the feelings I got when I was in my home. I was living every day in fear. And that's where that letter ends. That's one of those where you, you really hope for the best of that individual, that they found some way to resolve whatever it was that was going on. Robin, we do hope the best for you. Thank you for writing in and sharing that story with us. That doesn't sound like things are uh, all that great. Hopefully you you found some way to deal with that. that that's that's scary when you got something you you're afraid to to share with with your friends or your family uh, out of fear of what they're going to do, how they're going to react to you. But yet those things are still, uh, for a lack of a better term, haunting you. The phone number to call to share your real ghost story. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. We uh, have that uh, line set up for you to call in and you leave your story on the, the message thingy there. And then we, we may play it back on a future episode. Uh, so we'd love to get those stories anytime you got one. Or you can always email us the story. Just go to realghoststoriesonline.com. You click on that Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. 
and uh, you write into us, and we may share that story on a future episode here at realghoststoriesonline.com. We love getting your stories, love the fact that a lot of folks are sharing the love and letting folks know about the show, commenting on the show on YouTube, on iTunes, on Stitcher. If you're listening to us right now and you like the show, leave us a little feedback. Leave us a little token of your appreciation for a lot of effort and time into putting the show together every week. Just for fun, really. Uh, and uh, I have some fun's going into it as well now, too, with uh, bandwidth and uh, 800 numbers and websites and such. Uh, so every little bit of feedback that we get from you really does help grow the show. We really do uh, do appreciate that. We're not doing any advertising on the show as of right now. Uh, so it's really just kind of a labor of love. And we do appreciate you showing a little bit back, letting us know that you're out there. That's uh, that's why we're doing this every single week. I have another real ghost story letter to share with you this week here at realghoststoriesonline.com. And uh, we should do a caller or the letter. Let's do a caller first. Let's go to a caller and then we'll go to our letter here at realghoststoriesonline.com. Hi, you're on the air. What's your story? When I was like five or six years old, we lived in a trailer house. Okay. Right outside of Hortonville. Okay. And you know what it feels like when somebody's sitting on your bed? Yeah. Well, I woke up to that one night, yeah. and I saw a lady sitting on my bed. I thought it was my mom. Yeah. So I kept looking at her, and she was all in white. She was really pretty. Okay. Ran out of the room and went and with my mom and dad. This happened every single night. I'd always wake up to somebody. For how long? Bed. This happened probably like for like a month, two was months. It, was it the same person every night that you saw sitting on the bed? Yes, same person. Really? So I used to her. So one night I woke up and saw that she was there. Uh-huh. Going to get ready to run to my parents' room. Yeah. Stopped dead in my tracks because there's this big black guy standing in my doorway, uh-huh. like he's all in black. Yeah. And that was the last night I ever saw either of them. Well, that's really creepy. It's creepy because I told my parents about it, and my sister came up to him like a year later and told him the same story. So it happened to her. That's very, very creepy. There, there's something uh, called it. I don't know if this is a technical term for it or not. I'm sure it's not. Where it's the old hag syndrome, and that's where. The human mind, for whatever reason, projects this image of this old, decrepit woman sitting on your bed or on your body uh, when you open your eyes and you're still in a a dream state. Um, I had something similar happen to me years ago, uh, and this was explained to me by a paranormal investigator because it kind of freaked the hell out of me. Um, It's where you're, for whatever reason, people, human beings tend to see this image. Um, and it is simply really nothing more than your mind being in a dream state. And when you open your eyes, your mind is projecting uh, things out there into the, into the reality world that you're seeing. Um, it tends to be this woman that's sitting on you and you have a hard time breathing. Um, but it can also project other images onto the reality that you are seeing. It's almost like, uh, uh, remember the, uh, the old... Uh, color forms uh, or the the overhead projectors where you could you could put a couple different layers up there you have one layer then the second layer goes up it's like you're basically putting a layer of non-reality over reality so you have this sandbox of reality and then your mind's putting things onto it that does not sound like that though because if if there's multiple people seeing this thing that sounds like something well beyond that sort of a uh, a phenomenon. That's very interesting. Though. That, that's something I should look into more. We should do a topic on that one night where we talk about that, that old hag thing, because that, that, that's a freaky, freaky thing when it happens. 
Um, and very interesting that the human mind does tend to to go there with it. You know, why why old lady? You know, why why is he not a pony <laughs> or something? You know, you gotta wonder. You know, anyhow, let's go to a letter. And if you have a real ghost story, please share it with us uh, through our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Or you can always call in to the show 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and leave the story on our message center, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802, toll free to leave us your real ghost story. This one comes to us from Sandra. Sandra, Sandra writes, I live in West Virginia, Logan County. Home of two known famous events, the Hatfield and McCoy feud. Uh, her giving some background here, the Hatfield family lived there during this period and is now the location of the Hatfield Cemetery Memorial. And this county is also home to one of the largest floods in history, the Buffalo Creek flood, which happened in 1972, killing 126 people. Three infants never being identified, seven people never found. I was in second grade at the time and was personally affected by this in many ways. I lived on Main Street in the town of Man, which was a gateway into Buffalo Creek, the only way in or out. When we, the people living in Man, first heard of the dam breaking, the news came by way of those lucky few that were able to escape, telling of how they could see the floodwaters by watching through their rearview mirrors, driving at breakneck speeds, and praying for God to save them. They also told of how the flood reached from mountain to mountain, approximately 30 feet high, telling of seeing a huge black mass behind them, with coal, sludge, cars, trees, houses, combined with water, that they told of watching hit homes with so much force that it would splinter each into what looked like matchsticks. But this news came to residents of man too late. By the time we heard this news, no one was able to get onto Buffalo Creek, and the only thing to do was wait, which we did. People were lined up and down both sides of the street and along the creek bank leading out of Buffalo Creek into man. From then on... For days and months to come, it was pure hysteria. And with me being so young at the time, and because the adults did not have the time to explain what was going on, I was in a whirlwind, it seems, seeing and hearing things that has affected me throughout my life. I remember seeing one man on a large tree floating down the creek, screaming for help. I can remember like it was yesterday, how several men had to rescue the employees at the man post office by going through the roof of the post office, lowering a rope and pulling each out to safety. My grade school became the morgue, where each body recovered was taken for identification, then prepared for burial. Schools were closed for weeks. Our area became the hub for everything. Helicopters, National Guard trucks, and men became common sights. And the streets were occupied day and night with those that were lucky enough to survive. And those less fortunate that didn't survive being carried out in body bags. I could relate these types of scenes for hours. But I'm trying to give a short review about this tragic event and set the stage so I can tell of my experience years later with the paranormal on Buffalo Creek. Years later, my out-of-state family members would ask about this time in my life, usually because of learning about it in history class at school. So over the years, it was talked about and retold many times. Then, after I was married and moved into Buffalo Creek myself, my out-of-state family made plans to come visit with their children so they could all see firsthand where this took place 
thinking this would benefit the children when they were taught about the flood in history class. They'd be able to say they had visited the area where the tragedy happened. We chose the summertime for this visit, and after their arrival, I got the bright idea to make this sightseeing trip more than just facts. I plan on making it something that everyone would remember. I personally had never experienced anything paranormal while living on Buffalo Creek, but I had heard many stories told mainly by the elderly in the area of seeing unexplained occurrences, telling of a little girl in white who supposedly was lost during the flood and who searched for her lost family. Then there was the stories told by hunters seeing people in the mountains where homes used to be located before the flood but no longer existed. Of course, I did not believe these stories. I was always a skeptic about these things. But I made sure to tell these family members about these stories before we started out in our history lesson. What better way to remember the trip if I added a ghostly atmosphere, so I thought. It was a Saturday and the day of our trip. I decided to wait until complete darkness before we took off on this journey. My car was a Camaro convertible. With the top down and the car packed with people, we took off. I drove and my cousin rode up in front of me. And the back was full with kids and mine. Along the way, I pointed out stories about each community, what was lost and what was now new. I told of the number of deaths in each community on our way to the mouth of the Buffalo Creek, where the dam broke and started this disastrous tragedy. And the further we drove, the number of deaths rose until we reached the area where the dam used to be located. This area was the worst. No one living in this area survived. Once we reached here, I had to say, I felt a change around us. And with the top down, it seemed to engulf us. The first thing I noticed was the overwhelming smell of roses and the darkness that was like no darkness I'd ever seen before. The only light we had was my car's headlights, which cast a yellowish-looking glow everywhere. At this point, too, the main road ended, and the dirt road was all we had left to drive on, which was so narrow I prayed I'd be able to turn the car around when we were ready to leave. We finally reached the area of the old coal mines, which could only be seen by looking up towards the top of the mountain. I can only tell them that the dam was located up there before the flood being that we could not drive to the top of the mountain. I wouldn't have, even if we could, with the feelings I was feeling at this time. Even my so-called brave ass wasn't leaving the car. My cousin wasn't helping Annie. She kept bugging me to turn around and leave, and I wasn't hearing any sound from any of the kids. My plan of scaring everyone was abandoned. I didn't even think about it once we got to this area. I decided to turn the car around and leave. It took a few minutes to turn around while I was doing this. I heard what sounded like children playing outside on a school playground. Then while leaving this area, I slowed the car down because I had a strong urge to look upon the hillside. And when I did, I swear I saw two small children standing there, looking down at us. I said nothing, but I did speed my car up. I couldn't get out of there fast enough, it seemed. Once we reached the main road again, my nerves seemed to relax. And the rest of the way back to my house, we all stayed silent. When we finally got home, me and my cousin still said nothing. We got the kids ready for bed. After that, I went on my porch to sit and think over what I thought I had happened. After a while, my cousin joined me on the porch and shared with me her experience, repeating word for word my exact experience. She mentioned the smell of roses, the sounds of children playing, and of seeing two children watching us in the hillside. As we drove away, I was completely shocked. 
I did not speak a word to her during all of this, and neither had she. So I didn't know what to believe. Did we experience something supernatural? Why? Was it my fault because of my plan to scare everyone during our trip? Why did it happen? Did it happen? My thoughts were jumbled, a big jumbled mess. We did not speak about it with the children, and they did not mention anything either. I assumed and prayed that only my cousin and I had witnessed this. I did not want the kids to be affected by this. How could I explain it? If it scared and confused me like it did, what would it do to our children? My cousin and family stayed for one week, but we spent the remaining days away from Buffalo Creek as much as possible, and we avoided the subject for years. Then a few years later, while I was getting my hair done at a beauty shop on Buffalo Creek one Saturday morning, somehow I mentioned what had happened to me and my cousin. An elderly lady was also at that beauty shop that day, and she spoke up, saying she was a survivor of the flood, and she said she had grew up on Buffalo Creek, living there before and after the flood. She spoke about a one-room schoolhouse that she had attended as a child, located in the same area, exactly the same hillside where we heard and saw the child. She validated and answered a lot. I still cannot say I was glad to receive this information. I had mixed emotions. On one hand, it proved I wasn't crazy or just seeing things. On the other hand, I would have to face the fact that maybe ghosts do exist. Either way, I can say this. Never say never. And I know for a fact what I saw was real. Why I saw it, I really don't know. And I hope and pray I never see anything like it again. That's very creepy. It's kind of a, a more tinge of reality to stories like that. When you're hearing of a tragedy that occurred in our lifetime, where there's a sudden massive loss that occurred, where you can remember what that time was like before the tragedy occurred, and you can picture those people that were once there, it almost makes it that much more real. More real almost so than, than looking back to something in you know, the Civil War days or even before then. While that may be very real if you experience something, if it's something that you can recall before and after, that almost makes it even even scarier. There was a hotel that I visited once in Kansas City where a, a tragedy took place. A balcony collapsed. Yeah, I believe it was in the 1970s. Um, this balcony uh, collapsed, kind of they pancaked on top of each other and ended up killing, I believe it was into the hundreds of people. There was a band playing, and it was a very beautiful hotel, and collapse, collapse, collapse. It was a horrible, horrible scene of death. And this hotel exists still to this day. It's, it's downtown. And I believe it's Crown Plaza. I, I apologize if I'm, if I'm incorrect, but I believe it's Crown Plaza. Um, and the place for those balconies were still exist in this hotel. In fact, it's kind of eerie the way it's set up now. One of the balconies was rebuilt. But the area where the initial collapse happened is gone. But the walkway door, as you can tell where it opened up to where the walkway existed, is still there. And that's just really bizarre. You, you look at it and go, you would think it would be covered up a little bit more. So 
as to say with a remodel, it's not so obvious that, oh, this is exactly where it happened. But you walk into the hotel, if you knew the history of it, you knew exactly where this took place. You can look up, oh, there should be probably a walkway there, but there's not. That's kind of odd. Uh, And it's just, it's empty. And I took a photo there uh, when I was visiting the hotel, and the photo is filled with so many orbs. I've never seen so many orbs in a photo. And it's, it's right at that spot where so many people instantly lost their lives so many years ago. One of the creepiest photos I've ever taken. I can't say I ever felt any weird energy there, but it was, it was very, very creepy seeing that photo. We got it developed a week or two later. Well, there you go, kids. That does it for this week's edition of Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe on the website, Real Ghost Stories Online, or on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it may be that you're finding us. Hit that subscribe button and do share. Let your friends know about the show. That's what keeps us fueled. That's what keeps the show going every single week. From Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.